Welcome to the Frog Logic Podcast. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford. And the show we have for you today is going to be more relevant than you can imagine. Uh, And the reason is that in 2020, there are nearly 5 million first-time gun buyers and owners. Uh, And that's according to uh, the nationalreview.com. It's uh, uh, also on theguardian.com, on nsf.org.com. And then the other compelling one is that uh, Americans have bought a record 7 million guns uh, in 2020. So, Oh, 17 million. Sorry, uh, belay my last. 17 million new guns purchased this year alone. Now, you combine that with the astounding uh, numbers that have come out anywhere from 350 to 430 million guns in the United States of America. And that combined with uh, uh, the significant uh, social unrest, the significant political unrest, uh, the significant... um, decline in uh, policing, uh, the defund the police movement in major metropolitan cities. That's also uh, probably permeating out into local city uh, councils as well, too. The staggering uh, ascension of violent crime in many of these places around the country, uh, as well as the fact that Americans are beginning to feel a little suspect of uh, how stable the United States Constitution actually is than the level of corruption that exists uh, at all levels within our government uh, and the inability, it seems, for anybody at any time to be held accountable. That's another show for another time, but today's show is to help you, uh, a new gun owner or a potentially Uh, older gun owner that doesn't know where to go, what direction to start, how to move forward in any way, shape, or form, how to process, how to think about the Second Amendment, how to think about uh, weapons safety, how to think about training. This is the show for you. And I have one of the top individuals in the country that deals with this day in and day out, and that is a fellow teammate, a fellow team guy, uh, my third phase proctor, uh, Speedy himself, uh, Mr. Jeff Gonzalez. Now, uh, Jeff served honorably uh, in the U.S. Navy and the teams uh, when it was down in uh, Panama for some good combat. Uh, went on to become a, uh, a contractor, um, working for some pretty uh, outstanding companies and groups and government agencies. Um, And most importantly, he's the owner of uh, Trident Concepts, Tricon. Uh, And you can find him at uh, tridentconcepts.com. He's the CEO of that company, and they provide uh, an incredible array of uh, tactical training uh, that includes combative pistol, combative carbine, combat marksmanship, mid-range marksmanship, close quarters fighting, close quarter batter, cellular team tactics. That's interesting. Active hostage rescue. Yep, there you go. Vehicle assault tactics, shotgun breaching tactics, and an instructor courses where you can learn how to become an instructor. This guy has literally trained thousands and thousands of people, including commandos, uh, top operators, and civilians. He is also um, the senior 
uh, director of training at uh, the range in Austin, is which is one of the most uh, uh, comprehensive, sophisticated, and uh, awesome places to train in the country. That's the range in Austin. Uh, this guy has been teaching and instructing firearms. Jeez, God, it's got to be coming up on 30 years now. <laughs> Man, I love you, Jeff. Man, we're getting old, aren't we? Anyways, uh, uh, you might have heard uh, me interview him before when I was on the Team Never Quit podcast with Marcus and, and the Wizard. Uh, we had Jeff on. Just a phenomenal guy. This, I will tell you, this interview uh, has a little bit different perspective. We really dig into uh, the value of the Second Amendment, what it means to you, how to support it, uh, and the potentiality of, of, of what it means in support of the First Amendment, the Constitution, uh, and basically uh, governance as we know it today in America. Uh, you're going to love this show. Um, before we I, we jump into this, I just want to say thank you to everybody that keeps listening, keeps tuning in. Man, it, it really means the world to me. Um, having lost access to a tremendous amount of my followers uh, on Facebook and Instagram, and now I've discovered that I've been throttled pretty substantially on YouTube as well, too. Um, man, you guys finding my show and sticking with me and promoting it and sharing it with your people and subscribing and leaving comments... Uh, that means the world to me. You don't have to do that in a world that's saturated with podcasts, that's saturated with experts, that's saturated with people who are espousing all different kinds of, of uh, um, <laughs> capabilities. Uh, I really appreciate you choosing me to get some level of uh, positive information, some level of, of, of uh, past performance, lessons learned, opinions that matter. Um, man, that's what I really appreciate uh, doing for you. And I appreciate you coming back. If you want to know more about what it is I do and the totality of it, uh, as a, a corporate motivational speaker, I just got back from a huge event again with a great uh, corporate friend and sponsor ready wise out in Utah, the number one, uh, prep preparatory emergency freeze dried food company out there as well as they have the best camping meals they've got new lines of soups and, and children's snacks that you can find in walmart costco dick sporting goods and most especially on amazon and on their online platform go check them out over there best stuff if you haven't prepared for uh, whatever's coming from social unrest to the the zombie apocalypse man head over to uh, readywise.com and, and get your order in there today um, you know, uh, motivational speaker, I've given a ton of online speeches. So if you and your company or organization need a, a, a pep talk, need a, uh, some way to get fired up, or you want to evaluate all the different aspects of developing great culture and team orientation, uh, send us a, a note at teamfroglogic.com. That's, uh, in the contact form, send us a note. We'd love to help you. We can, uh, help you online. We can help you in person. Perhaps you've got a group of executives at your team that need some coaching, uh, I'm also, I also do that with executive coaching and private coaching within uh, your mission orientation, help you be proficient uh, by evaluating uh, a good amount of your fears, your ability to remain self-confidence, your team orientation, and then most specifically your purpose in life. Uh, that's what I'm here to help you do after 30 years of not only exploring the human condition uh, at, a, at a very high level, but also doing research and educating myself in the best way possible to understand how we achieve success in the most extreme environments. And that could be uh, in the business world. It could be on the as an athlete. It could be as an operator. Uh, any one of those questions hit you and you need some help, 
please reach out to teamfroglogic.com. Or if you want, you can participate in our online training programs uh, at thefroglogicinstitute.com. Uh, we started the FrogLogicInstitute.com uh, during the pandemic. We built the website. We built the whole program called the Embrace Fear Training Program, where I introduce people to five missions or training modules that help people not only begin to recognize and identify their actual fears, how to accept them, how to retrain their brain to deal with them, uh, and then how to test themselves, and then most importantly, how to live with the courage of fear as a part of your life, not in a debilitating way, but in a way that makes you better every single day. So check out thefroglogicinstitute.com. If you want to follow me and get back to the, my daily doses, my motivational doses that I typically put out, you can follow me at Parlor at Team Frog Logic. And uh, this week I will begin posting all of my videos, all of my shows, everything I got on rumble.com. Uh, you can buy, get those in both apps on your store. Uh, we're trying to figure out a better way to connect uh, because I have been uh, inhibited from being able to reach my 100,000 plus followers on all the platforms that I talked about. But we're going to start from scratch and that's just what we're going to do because the number one thing I want you to understand uh, that is critical in your life and in the support and of your children and everybody around is that we cannot support censorship. The right to free speech is the essence of all of our ability to succeed in life in this country. It's the First Amendment. It's the most important amendment. And they, when they strip you of your rights, you'll understand the pain of it, the pain that I've gone through recently. You'll understand the pain of, uh, of what that feels from a, a more ideological per belief and that uh, censoring ideas, censoring thoughts, censoring opinions— uh, is is absolute socialism. It's absolute Marxism, uh, and it is going to be the initial uh, downfall of our country if we let it continue to happen. So uh, if you want to know more and follow me, uh, those are the places to do so. Um, and then also, I want you to understand that uh, I'm also a tactical firearms instructor. If you live in the South Florida or Flor South Florida or Florida area, and you want some private lessons, I teach uh, many of the same courses that Jeff do. I'm, I'm family-oriented. I have a specialty of working with females who are learning uh, firearms for the first time. Um, my program is based on, on the individual and how fast they move, as well as making sure that they understand uh, the ideology behind the offensive mindset, uh, how to uh, progress uh, in a way that's efficient and safe for them. Weapons, fundamentals, safety, firearms, all the different things. And then move into you know some ideas of, of how to protect yourself on the move, uh, concealed weapons abilities, uh, uh, home safety, all of those things I offer. Just head over to um, uh, Team Frog Logic. Uh, send us a, a, a contact form about what you're interested in, when you want to do it, and how you want to train. And we also do groups. Uh, if you do groups, your pricing individually would be much lower, obviously. Uh, so I do group sessions from four hours to eight hours. Um, uh, there are multiple ranges around in Southeast Florida that I can use. But if you want to be trained by somebody uh, that not only was a SEAL instructor, I uh, was a, a curriculum development and international training expert for Blackwater, uh, I taught and developed curriculum for the Central Intelligence Agency, taught case officers, and then deployed with them. Uh, I've had a good 25 years of 20 years of teaching experience, uh, as well as uh, how I teach people from a motivational com component, uh, be a performance component. You get all that when you sign up 
uh, for some tactical training. So uh, go over to teamfroglogic.com, send us a note about training uh, interests, and uh, we will get back to you uh, as soon as possible. All right. Uh, Without further ado, uh, again, man, uh, this talk is going to blow your mind. Jeff is a brilliant uh, instructor. He's also a brilliant individual. His ideas on this have been well thought out. Uh, and he's going to be incredibly inspirational to you and, and helpful for how you should approach uh, either having a continuing to have a firearm or being a new firearm owner. All right, here we go. Jeff, my <laughs> brother, what's up, man? Oh, man, I said this earlier. I'm going to say it again. I've been looking forward to this <laughs> for uh, for as long as since we, we, we first talked about it. And, I, and I've been thrilled. I've been thrilled to just get on the podcast with you. So I'm so excited. Yeah, good, man. I, I just, I, you know, it's so funny, man. I, every time, you know, I, I just get into this space where, you know, all the, the, the intensity of, of everything starts building. Right. And, and I've been, you know, I've got this dream of potentially doing a, a documentary about America's relationship with firearms and some mm. other things. And, and just, you know, so I, I pay attention to all the stuff with guns and firearms, and you're absolutely at one of the top in, in the country and in, in that industry. And, and man, so every so often I'll, I'll go over and I'll, I'll see your page or I'll see your posts. And I, and I just, man, you always just have this, this fired up look, <laughs> fired up space, uh, uh, whether you're at the range in Austin or you're out traveling on the traveling road show, right. Doing mm-hmm. the car, the carnival training routine oh, God. for all of us. Right. <laughs> and, um, man, it's just been, uh, uh, such, uh, an awesome thing. And it actually inspired me a little bit with, with all the new gun purchases. And, and obviously that's why I really want to talk on the show, you know, that I'm, I'm going to get back out there and maybe start teaching a little bit. So Good I figured, I figured, you know what? Why not get one of the top guys in the country? Come on and, and share some of his his huh. ideas about the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, not just the 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 in, you know the the minutia of training, and I'm sure we can cover some of that. But you know, I just want to jump right in with you and yeah. and how, it is what we're seeing in the firearm in in the firearms industry in terms of the massive purchasing the the consumption of ammunition the fear that's riddling the population with the second amendment is is this what we stand to see for the foreseeable future and if so why fantastic question and i love it because it does get right to the heart of the matter um so when we first kicked this year off and what i tell people is like um like the ammo industry is is an animal all onto its own and the firearm industry is kind of like under it in a sense. What happened was the ammunition industry is always behind. They're always behind because, you know, am, they're, you know, government contracts, state contracts, they're always trying to fulfill those first and then they trickle down to the public. So that's one thing. But one, one, I think one day uh, I was sitting down and I was talking to uh, one of the senior execs at one of the mag, uh, um, ammunition companies. And, you know, we we're just talking and I, I asked him, I was like, you know, cause there was like rumors. This was after I got back from shot show and, and there was this, this past January. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Earlier this year, yeah. earlier yeah. this year, pre COVID. Yeah. Pre COVID, but only by maybe like about four to six weeks. Okay. 
And I was thinking, you know, we were talking following up from, from SHOT Show and the, the, the you know, the, the, the luxury that I have these days is that I can have these conversations with that, that high level, uh, you know, executive leadership at, at many of the, the, the big names in the, in the industry. And we were talking and finally got a chance because the SHOT Show is so chaotic that sometimes you don't get a, you know, it's all business, business, business. You don't get a chance to really dive into some stuff. And I was like, what is your take on this? And, you know, his response was, well, my gut tells me that it's going to be, it's going to be real. Like we're going to actually see something that we haven't seen even in the Obama period because everybody was so up in arms about what happened during Obama. Right. 13. Yeah, exactly. And so I was like, really? All right. Okay. Well, you know, okay, good. That's a good. And I try to always take that information and fuse it with my information and kind of come up with a new idea or something. And then, and then the pandemic officially hit, right? And we we're like in this crazy, we're going to shut down for 15 days to, <laughs> to thwart the spread of COVID. We're going to flatten days. the curve. <laughs> we're going to flatten the curve. You know, and it's so funny because at that time period, I'm thinking to myself, God, you know, that's the dumbest thing I think I've ever heard. <laughs> really, 15, I'm like, we want everybody to just give up their lives for 15 days. And the thing that I hated was that, we so, we so easily gave into easily. That. So easily. And I tell people like, and I hate to get so dark no, in some, 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 dark. some cases, but you know, people that were moving to the extermination camps were not dragged there. No, they walked there. And I try to tell people that, that it, it, and it didn't happen overnight. It was, it was a, it was a, it was a period of time where propaganda and brainwashing and the, 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 you know, just like how people just so reluctantly gave up everything. Their liberty. Yeah. There, it, there's a, I, let me, let me, I, let me, can I hop in? It's, it's funny, please. man. Since this started, I, I have been just uh, immersed in, in trying to understand how that happens. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I've been reading as much as I can about the Bolshevik revolution, mm, uh, the mm. cultural revolution in China, Nazism. Right. And, yeah. and there, you know, I, I know you're familiar with um, Jordan Peterson and, yeah, yeah. you know, he does a lot of lecturing on Alexander uh, Shultzenitsa who wrote the Gulag Ar Archipelagos and it, and he drills it all down to the reason why 66 million Russians were annihilated is because there was one person wouldn't stand up and say, no, this sucks. This yeah. ain't right. You know? And, yeah. and it was that gradual process of saying, Oh, I can give a, an inch of my Liberty an inch of my Liberty an inch of Liberty. Next thing you know, you're 20 miles in the hole. And what I tell people is that here's the thing you can, you can of your free will, give up your Liberty, but you will have to kill to get it back. Amen. There's no way around it. And, and that's what I try to tell people. It's like, don't be, don't be fooled by the rhetoric of this is for the greater good. This is not for the greater good because the greater good is the individual, not the, co not the collection, not the population. It's the individual of sorts. I mean, that's why, that's why our country, you know, our country was built around the model of helping the little guy, making the little guy do the, do the heavy lifting, right? So I really caution people 
when they are so easily swayed by some of the rhetoric, some of the, you know, particularly like the news. And I, the best advice that I can give people is delete all your news apps. Don't <laughs> watch TV. Don't go onto Twitter and listen to all the crap that's going on there because it is such a, we're, we're learning. And in particularly in the firearms industry, I know that a lot of other organizations because of the, 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 up, the roll up to the elections have started to see um, the, the censorship that is widespread in all of the major. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I got locked out almost two months ago and it's, it's yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. And so what I tell people is like, you are witnessing, you are witnessing the precursor to what we saw in Germany. Wow. Prior to like, because it wasn't, it, it, it was like, it wasn't that Hitler was intelligent enough to do the things that he did. It was that the rest of the population went along with it. Complicit. Yes. Yeah, to be complicit. Right? It wasn't like he, he had the, it wasn't like he was given this information and knew exactly what he had to do. It's just that everybody made it easy for him to do it. And the problem is, is it, it builds momentum and it builds, and then there's the fear mongering that comes along with it. And that fear mongering is a very real feeling. I mean, fear is one of the most, ancient feelings that we have. It's the reason why you and I are sitting here talking to one another, because that fear in the, you know, in our knuckle dragging predecessors <laughs> is what allowed them, you know, those that had fear ended up avoiding being caught and eaten. Those that had fear ended up going back to the cave and procreating. <laughs> you know, so it's like that fear is a very important thing, but we can't let it drive everything so without without good logic based behind it. Amen. And that's the key thing. It's like fear is a reason. Fear is an emotion, and as long as it's tempered with reason and logic, then it's good. It's it's valuable because it helps you to make good decisions versus just knee jerk emotionally based decisions. So, anyhow. We when you, when you, when it went down and they, and they shut down, obviously, you know, the business at, at the range stopped your, your travel training business stopped, you know, everything got put on hold. When did you first start to say to yourself, you know what, um, this actually is going to turn into something that's going to be immensely beneficial because there is a, a definitive panic that is coming with us, that's translating into uh, firearm purchases like we've never seen before in human history? Well, um, there's a couple things. The, the one thing that I tell people is like, uh, like early on, the word trend was used to describe what was happening. This is a trend, okay? And I disagree with that because a trend will eventually stop, you know, and trends are not necessarily a very long evolution of sorts. Trends typically come and go. Right. Right. And then come back around later exactly. on. They're for cyclical. Even, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, They're very right, cyclical. Right. So the trend starts and stops, trend starts and stops, trend starts and stops. You know, like again, the Obama era, we had a trend of rapid, you know, gun purchasing and then it stopped and then it picked up again, but it picked up a lot worse this time. And so what happened was um, we had a lot of folks that were agnostic. We've had a lot of folks that are agnostic about firearms. Can you explain that statement? Because sure. I, I think there you've got a, that really well thought out and people need to understand that. Yeah, so that means they don't have an opinion for or against the firearms. It's it's like, meh, 
it, you know, it's not, not relevant in their no, life. They've, they've, they've been able to mentally push yeah. that off on law enforcement, push it off on federal agencies. And it's just yeah. not, in their it doesn't have a, it doesn't impact their daily lives to the point where it's important enough for them to take up bandwidth with it. And, and, and that's a good thing in a sense, you know, they're just, cause it doesn't make them good or bad people. It just means they don't have an opinion for or against it. Well, or does it mean, or does it mean that safety is so prevalent in America mm. and so taken care of that it, it doesn't have to be in the forefront of, of their daily routine? I, I do believe that there is something to be said about that. I, that does factor in because that's one of the reasons that the, the emotion behind purchasing got so, you know, exploded. So right. when the pandemic happened, it wasn't the pandemic per se. It, were the, it was the consequences of living through the pandemic. You know, um, Interesting. everything from, you know, where, you know, we started to see commodities slowly become difficult to get, right? Then we started to see the, the importance behind, you know, stockpiling, keeping stuff for yourselves and protecting your, your you know, kind of like guarding your castle, if you will, you know, like, like, like from the hordes that would come in and take your property that they need because they are on, on, you know, like we're, li we're literally, we were literally living through a medieval time period of sorts, right. Mm -hmm. Where, you know, it was like, who's got the, who's got more crops that I can go and raid their country and take over their crops kind of thing. <laughs> uh, that's kind of where we were at, you know? And so it was at that point when I think it became very obvious to a lot of people Where's my dog? She's doing something. <laughs> I can hear her doing, getting into something. But um, <laughs> it was at that point where many people purchased their first firearm. And, and here's how I tell, here's how I explain this firearm purchase. The yeah. first, it was, it happened in waves. And so the first wave of firearm purchases was a result of being in fear of not being able to get food at the grocery store or getting food and having it stolen, taken from you or having your home burglarized because you had something like a generator that kept your lights on. So these fears became real. And so what happened was people went out and they bought guns. Now they bought the gun with the one, like I, I also explained, there's different levels of this gun purchase. Like the, the top level with the most amount of people in it were people that just bought the gun, bought a box of ammunition, and they just bought it to keep it in their home, right? They really didn't have an intention of, using it, learning how it worked or anything like it's that. It's like their Wooby. They yeah, bought their it, first Wooby. <laughs> in a sense, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, then, and then below that was another group. And they, they bought their gun. They bought their ammo. They shot the ammo. And then they put it in their drawer in the home, right? Mm -hmm. And then there was a level below that where they bought the gun, bought the ammo, shot the ammo, realized, huh, I should probably... I should probably get my LTC, my license to carry or concealed handgun license. And then they kind of like moved from there. And then the last level was they bought the gun, they bought the ammo, shot the ammo, decided to get an LTC and then realized, you know what? I should probably actually learn how to use this thing. So that's kind of like the match, you know, like how people went through their buying process, you know, like, and even then, like we're, I think the newest number, like, Recently, we just had, and I think they do them every month, but we just had 2 million more gun owners added to the, to the, to the actual purchase for this year. What is it total, total all, all over? I think right now, and it depends on uh, like the, I, 
I don't know what the total is. I just saw the most recent numbers come out, which said 2 million in the month of October. October, right? So overall, it's something like the number I have is all like 10 and a half. It's crazy. Yeah, it's 10 and a half. There in one weekend, there were 187,000 background checks. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's, 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 it's ridiculous to see that. Now, here's the thing. Okay, so that pandemic kicked off this, this spurt, this right. kind of like trend, if you will. And what happened was a lot of people went through buyer's remorse, <laughs> right? Because everything started to stabilize, right? Um, the grocery store started to get restocked. It was a little bit easier to get food and everything like that. And now everything, everybody's thinking, okay, we flattened the curve. Everything's going good, right? And then the riots kicked off. Oh, right? baby. When the riots kicked off, all those people that had buyer's remorse changed their minds immediately. They're like, oh. Instantaneously. Hell. Instantaneously. And so we kind of created, so after that, once the riots happened, the trend ceased to exist. Because at that point, more of those people that were agnostic were starting to realize that safety that you mentioned earlier was questionable, right? So then the riots kind of took off and they, they started and everything was going crazy. And then the next kind of like dumping of fuel on the fire was when cities, governments started to defund the police. So the one thing that was supposed to help people prevent them from having to go out and buy firearms to create a sense of safety was now being dismantled. Wow. And, and that right there, to be honest, was probably the, the straw that broke the camel's back because there was no turning back at that point. Right. The trend could have stopped. The rioting could have died down and then that buyer's remorse would have probably kicked back in and everything might have returned to normal. We would have seen a lot of secondhand purchase of firearms, like people trying to sell them to you know neighbors and things like that. But then the defunding of the police occurred. And to be honest, I don't think it's going to, I don't think this trend is going to stop anytime soon. Nobody really has any idea. But just based off of what we're seeing from a national kind of like landscape, I don't see it stopping. In fact, what I see is I see, I see probably at least through February, March, it be at this same intensity. Wow. Really? And yeah. It won't die down anytime soon. There's just no, there's too many unknowns. There's too many questions that people have. And what, it, what so if we had to take a step back and, and assign some value to all of this, the value is that more people are starting to become self-reliant. They're starting to recognize that they can't rely on the government, i.e. the police, and that they have to take their safety as a personal responsibility. There was always this lingering idea what personal responsibility meant to the individual. And it, and it, and it meant, you know, obeying the speed limit, stopping <laughs> at a red light. Right, exactly. Not now, punching somebody out when they yeah, flick you off, right? It, it's it's much different now. And, and well, I, now you uh, have a different political affiliation, and you're so in true. the wrong spot at the wrong time. Look at that poor guy down in Texas, uh, the Air Force guy who made the turn. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. that young kid with the AK yeah. looks at him and put, picks up his AK, and the dude shoots him through the windshield, man. Which 
and and this poor guy, this poor kid is dead because of his political affiliations. So it's it's crazy because that happened right here in Austin. I know. And yeah, it was. Um, he well, was I, I'm, I'm, I, I haven't even begun to get into what's going on because you are, <laughs> you are, I, I, this is, and, and I don't mean to cut you off, but no, no, you are in the heartbeat, I, I believe, of, of a situation that is being pulled at both ends in the most remarkable way possible. Here it is, you know, the great Alamo state, the last mm-hmm. stand state. Uh, that is exploding in terms of of people moving to to Texas for mm. the Texas life, for the Texas mentality, for the Texas whatever. Yeah, yeah. But then you have this microcosm, and, and again, you know, we you know we reference, uh, you know, Joe Rogan did a great show with Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. And talks about Austin and its beauty and what it is in terms of creativity and tech explosion. But at the same time, you're having a city council that wants to defund the police. So you are in the heartbeat mm. and in the heartbeat of the, of the industry because the yeah. range is the biggest, most baddest range in the country, you know, and you're it's, the head dude there. So it's, it's like one of the things that I tell people about that is absolutely, you know, like, um, and I've had a lot of friends that have moved here and I joke about it, you know, don't bring your California to Texas, <laughs> but, it, but I'm being deadly honest. I, I don't care. I don't, you know, I'm like, I don't, whatever caused you to leave that state. Don't, don't be capitulate in letting it happen here. Right. Mm-hmm. We're not interested in that. That's not what we want, you know, but it, but the problem is, is that many places like California, like New York, they create an atmosphere where they control the mindset to a certain extent, because what will happen is those that have to stay because they can't move, whether financially or from a, from a job perspective, they're stuck there and they have to, in, to a certain extent, abide by the rules. Right. Right. They have no, they have no choice. They can't use straws. They have to get rid of straws. Yep. But everybody else is, that is fed up with it. And, and, and what we're seeing is they're not fed up with the ideology. No. What they're fed up with is the financial burden. <laughs> I mean, it's exactly. That it's oh no, that we're, we're, you guys are getting all the Californians and yeah. getting all the New Yorkers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we have a thousand people a day moving to Florida right now. A thousand people a day. And, and, and the same is true. You're, you're in that space. Like, all right, how is this going to affect uh, our state and, and most especially our sense of security? Yeah. So, how are how are the people of of Austin dealing with this right now? And how are you guys? What are you saying? Because obviously you're seeing it doesn't matter if it's a conservative or a liberal that's coming in to buy a gun. Everybody's buying them, both sides. More liberals than ever are buying mm-hmm. weapons now. So true. What how are what are you seeing when they come in? What is the mentality? What is the descriptions? What is are you asking people? Hey, why are you doing this? Or no, I mean, so like it, it, the. So there's a couple things. First, like during when this pandemic first kicked off, the range was uh, forced to shut down. Mm-hmm. I think it was a total of 72 hours before the governor deemed us essential. And then so like Wednesday we were shut. Then there was all this political movement. And then on Friday we got to reopen. So wow. but the damage had been done. 
And so what happened was because uh, we, we, you know, Austin is a destination city, we rely tremendously on a lot of tourism to bring in uh, all sorts of tourism money to, to pay for a lot of stuff. What ended up happening was we lost a lot of our, a lot of those types of opportunities, what we call events. Yeah. And that like shut down overnight, like literally as soon as that happened. And that was painful because that was a big, big part of our business model. And then what ended up happening was because we were deemed essential, we were deemed essential for three reasons. One, we sold firearms. Two, we sold ammunition. Three, we're an education source where people can come to get their license to carry. Wow. So during this entire time period, to be, able to, to be able to carry a firearm either open or concealed in the state of Texas, you have to get your license to carry, right? So, um, and that's a whole other subject about how a constitutional right is marginalized. That's a whole other subject we can talk about. But nonetheless, the government said, you guys have to stay open because you guys need to be able to give these licenses out to people, you know, and it's a process. They got to come through the process. They did alleviate some of it by going online, but they still required the, the firearms portion where they had to shoot to demonstrate their proficiency. So basically training stopped and all we were doing was LTCs. License. That's it. That's it. That's it. And I mean, there were times and, and we had to like, we had to furlough a lot of people and it was just me at that time. And I was doing that for, I think like two months, three months straight. Wow. Like everything I did, I did like three LTC classes a day. Yeah. We worked all week, all week long. Um, and it was, it was kind of brutal. We ended up getting to a point where unfortunately the training, because the LTC is a competitive market, we can't really make a lot of money off of an LTC because it's a competitive market. The state opens it up to anybody that is, is certified. Mm -hmm. We just, we weren't able to make money off of that, but by the same time, we didn't have any timing to be able to do any of our training. So what ended up happening was we shut down the training department, I believe in July. And now all I do is I just do advanced training there. So I do just our advanced level classes there at the range. So Thank I God. have since, yeah, since, since that time, I haven't been as immersed in what is happening right now, but I still communicate. I was there actually yesterday. So, you know, I still have a lot of insight into what's happening. And so when you ask me like, what, what is going through a lot of people's minds and the best, like, I try not to pry. I, I, I don't want it to be, I want them to feel comfortable because it's already an uncomfortable situation. Right. Right. So I don't want to, I don't want them, I don't want them to be, I don't want them to think as though I'm judging them for why they got their gun. So I don't care why you got it. My job is to help provide education on the gun because what I see from my perch is that every one of these new gun owners represents a new, a, 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 a new two way advocate, right? Before they were agnostic. They didn't have an opinion one way or another, but now every chance that I have to help educate somebody and show them that not only is this a personal responsibility, but it's also a fun recreation. You can actually go out and participate in various sporting activities, the hunting aspect. You know, there's a lot that goes into this. It's not just about self-defense. And that opens up a lot of people's mindsets to that. And then they become aware through the, now they start to pay attention. Before it was like they heard something was white noise. White noise. Oh, those NRA crazy people. Something like that. Or they didn't even hear that. They heard like every other word, right? right, right it's just right. like something they don't, they just, it's white noise. But yeah. now they're more inclined to pay attention because they are changing their viewpoint. They change the irony. The irony of that is, is crazy. Monumental. It is, 
I, I, one of the things that I, I kind of comment on is that, you know, for the left, the left must be just kind of like kicking themselves in the ass right now, because what they've done is that they have, they have marshaled the largest force against their ideology ever, ever, ever. ever in history, yeah. ever. It, it's, it's a hundred times greater than the civil war. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, we well, I just saw this and, and last point real quick. And I just saw it when I first started, I remember teaching civilians when I, when I left the agency, you know, 2012, it was like, you know, maybe 300, 310 million guns in the, in the country. And I just saw a statistic about two months ago that there are 432 gun, million guns in America now. So that's a hundred million more guns in, in essentially 10 years. It's crazy to think that, but I, and again, I don't see that trend slowing down. I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. I feel as though. What problems does that create for all of us? Oh, well, a lot of problems that we're going to have to learn to live with. Unfortunately, we're just not going to be able to get past some of these problems. So biggest one demand, the demand for, for firearms is at an all time high. And, and here's my advice. I, I had a, a recent podcast where the guy asked me, hey, for those new gun owners or potential new gun owners, what's the best advice that I can, that <laughs> you can give them if they're looking to buy their first gun? And I'm like, well, you know, first, welcome to- you Don't know, learn welcome. to shoot it because <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want, I'm going to take your gun from you. <laughs> yeah. The first thing I try to get across to them is I want them to feel welcome. Yeah. I want cool. them to have, like, because they're already, they, like what people don't realize is many of these folks came from a very, very- um, like it, it was a very difficult decision to, to actually walk into a gun store, just that act alone. And so what I want them to real, what I want them to hear is that the, you know, the, the firearms community is a very, it's a, it's a, it's a good community. Like any other community, we're always going to have the outliners, right? The, the folks that are, you know, just not helpful in a sense, you know, they, they God bless them, but they're not helpful for the overall big picture. Right. Mm -hmm. And so my hope is that many of these folks will, will realize that the, the gun stores are not quite as, you know, arcane as they might think, you know, like it's, it, it's like every place has their own identity of sorts, but most of them, especially the ones that I've visited are all with, all have a, like a single minded purpose, which is to help people navigate through some very, uncomfortable feelings that they have about purchasing a firearm let's 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 well, guide you using it too i mean it one just the the hurdle of purchasing but now you've got this this tool mm -hmm. that that has lethality attached mm -hmm. to it and i think absolutely as a as a mental leap forward with especially people that have been agnostic is profound well a lot of times many of them haven't come to that decision yet Interesting. They haven't made, they haven't, they haven't quite yet made that association because to them, what they're doing is they're buying something to have. They're not buying something to use. Oh, interesting. So now that's not everyone, but that's a lot of these agnostic shooters. You know, again, it's just, it, you can't expect them to change so quickly their per perspective, their mindset, they have to kind of like wade through this in a slower process. So many of them, like I was saying, like many of them bought it, bought the ammo and put it in the shelf and put it in the, in their closet and don't in, have any intentions of using it. They just bought it to have. And so what's happened is like now more and more people are starting to 
learn that it, this is an activity that they probably need to put a little time and energy into. And what I tell people is like, hey, the first time you used a, um, a table saw, you probably had to have a little bit of instruction on how to do it safely so that you didn't lose a finger or lose an <laughs> arm or whatever, or drill pests, you know, yeah, the first yeah. time, you know, there's certain safety measures that you have to follow to make sure that you do things safely. You know, like we grew up in a time period where we had shop classes and yeah. you had all the horror stories about the past driver's time. ed driver's ed is another one. You got to see all the nasty accidents and stuff like that. So, you know, there is a process to this whole thing. And, and, and the way that I try to get people to, to, to come to terms at their own pace, right? I'm not saying that you need to immediately purchase this firearm and have all the knowledge, not like, you know, the matrix and just data dump that stuff in there. You've got to take, you know, like, and what I've learned you're, is that, in, in two weeks, you're at, you're at Tricon level four, right? You know, you're doing well, hostage rescues. <laughs> that would be, that'd be awesome. But what I, what I try to tell people is like, you're going to tackle this new burden at your own pace and everybody has to find what works for them. Cause the other thing that we're dealing with is we're dealing with the ammo shortage. And so how significant is it? Well, here's the thing out of, let's just say last month, the 2 million or the last numbers that we had 2 million. If every one of those gun owners bought a box of ammunition, those new gun owners bought a box of ammunition, you could see right, right away how devastated that that is on the ammunition economy. It's right. just, it's tough. So people are like, well, ammo companies are just going to produce more ammo. Well, they're already producing a pretty significant amount of ammo. And each, each manufacturer is moving at their, what they feel is a safe pace that takes into consideration the fact that they have to maintain the equipment so that it continues to produce material. Like if they run at such a high tempo, not only do you have to factor in human error, but you also have to worry about the wear and tear on the machinery that eventually once, a, once an assembly line breaks down, it's not like a very easy fix. And then the amount of product that you're behind as a result of that assembly line being down is significant. Wow. So they have to temper everything. It's not like they can just throw the throttle down full and just go for it because it, it has some, some consequences that could be pretty bad. How many, how many ammo companies are there, would you guess? Well, if you're talking about um, historic ammo companies that have been around for a long time, you've got you've got probably I would say probably like five, maybe six. You've got Remington, Winchester, Federal, Hornady, Spear. Um, those are kind of like the the most common ones that are out there right now. But you've also seen a lot of smaller shops that have started, and they were they started before this. Right, right. You know, they, they started After the they, last crisis. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and now you've got even more that are, are, are in the mix, if you will. So uh, the problem is, is, it's just a matter of um, resources. You know, resources are going to become difficult to get, whether it's the primers, the powder, the bullets themselves, the casings, that's all going to reach a, a crescendo. Because not only, not only are we dealing with this ammunition surge, but the ammo companies still have an obligation to the military, to all the law enforcement. I mean, that's not changed. They're not going to stop sending ammo to our military to just start sending more ammo to the civilian market. You know, I mean, it's just. Yeah, I heard a, an interesting little uh, uh, something someone had suggested. I, uh, um, Sean had told me um, at Vigilance had, had told oh, Sean me, Ryan. yeah, Sean had told me that Federal next year is only going to make two, two, three, and nine mil. Is, is that, I mean, are things like that real or is it just myth or, no, you know, I mean, I mean, are they really just, you know, get, becoming fixated on what 
is potentially at stake. No, not necessarily. Um, so there's been a couple of things that most people don't, don't have like situational awareness on, but three years ago, the FBI switched back to the nine millimeter. So when that happened, they switched, they moved away from the 40 cal. And when that happened, the FBI being the preeminent law enforcement agency in the country, pretty much everybody falls back. It's like, it's like, Oh, what are the seals using? Cause we want to use that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you know, what, what is the FBI using? Because we want to use that. Yeah. So um, that created a new surge in nine mil across domestic law enforcement. And then, uh, you know, five, five, six has always been in, in high demand simply because it's the, it's the most popular cartridge. Like in the pistol world, you've got a lot of other cartridges in there. You got a lot, right? Right. But in the rifle world, while you have a lot of hunting cartridges, you don't have a lot of duty cartridges. You know, there's really just, two five five six and seven six two mm-hmm. seven six two has kind of fallen from grace lately and there's been some new surges and some new kind of like ammo that has stepped in but five five six is the king and and so um what you're seeing is many manufacturers are like managing the new the, the new demand which right, is right which is nine mil predominantly okay. right okay so Companies like Federal that are just, I mean, they, 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 they've pretty much already been doing that. Oh, okay. They, okay. they really have. They, they have been focusing, and it's because of the, the supply and demand scenario, right? Um, the demand for 9 mil has increased because of things that happen, like the FBI's switch to the 9 millimeter. Um, and so while, if you, go to the, if you go to a gun store these days and you try to find a, you know, a caliber outside of nine mil, it's, it's, it's kind of tough because you know, that's, the, that's the gun that everybody's looking for, the caliber, I should say, that everybody's looking for. Now, the unintended consequence of that is that nine mil is hard to get. So if you had a caliber like 40 or 45, you actually have a little bit more luck at getting ammo now because <laughs> right, right, right. of that yeah. 40, 45 compared to the nine mil. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the, the question is when will things return to normal? That is the question. Yeah. The question. And, and what I would caution people on is defining normal, you know, what is normal in the ammo world? If we go to pre COVID times, then what happens typically is that ammo companies start the year off in the hole and it's not until the fall that they start to climb out. And then they get hit because you got to remember how the the government fiscal purchasing is October to October. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. at the end of the year, they get slammed by all the government orders. And so they start the new year in the hole again and then blah, 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 blah. So if we go back to pre-fiscal period 2019, then what I would say is we're probably not going to see things stabilize. And when I say stabilize, that means that everything kind of like, you know, we're, we're not seeing any more peaks and valleys probably towards the end of 2021. And then we won't see that, that we won't see things kind of return to normal for about maybe six months to almost a year after that. Mm-hmm. So it's going to take quite some time for things to settle back down. It, okay. it really will. It's not going to happen anytime soon. So, you know, the problem that we run into is how does that affect people that are coming into this industry right now? And, and, and they want to learn how to shoot. Like, so we're past the, the first group, the second group, the third group, we're down here at that fourth group who want to learn how to shoot, who want to actually get out and train, who feel that it's important that they do that. And my advice to them is unfortunately you're coming into the industry at the worst possible time. 
I mean, like I was talking to my son, uh, my older son, who just turned 21, the legal age to purchase his firearm. And he uh, now has his license to carry and he bought his first case of ammo. You know, that was kind of like our agreement. I'm like, I'll help you, but you're going to have to buy your first case of ammo on your own. And that way you can have a greater appreciation for the situation that we're in right now. Shop mm -hmm. around, try to find the best deal because it's your money. You want to you make it go as best, as long as you can. And so what I tell people is, you're probably in a situation where before you start thinking about how much ammo to buy, because I could tell you, uh, buy as much ammo as you possibly can. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That doesn't really help people understand what that means. Right. So instead, what you got to do is you got to take a step back. You got to look at a train. You got to actually come up with a training plan. What do you intend on doing? So I tell people that if you can look at, 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 at allocating a hundred rounds a month, and you can do that for 10 months. That's a thousand rounds. That's a case of ammunition. And in that hundred rounds, you're going to develop, a, you know, you're going to start off kind of like at the beginner level and you're going to get a little better, move to the intermediate and maybe get a little better and move to the advanced. May, that may not happen in that first thousand rounds. But the point is that now you have a plan, right? So now you can sit back and you can actually meter the information that you're getting from online. Okay, I can buy a box of ammunition. Like I'm gonna have to go. I, I want to, you know, buy a box of ammunition to go to the range, and it's gonna cost me fifty bucks, mm -hmm. right? Fifty bucks for one box. Or I can buy a case, and it's gonna cost me six hundred dollars. Okay, so in a sense, you're paying one dollar a round for just a single box, or sixty cents a round for an entire case. Right. So that's where I try to get people to think about things like. How, what's your level of commitment to learning? If your level of commitment to learning is, is high, my recommendation is that you consider trying to buy a case of ammo. And that's hard because that's, that's, those are like the, 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 you know, the rainbow colored unicorns that are out there, right? <laughs> a, a case of nine mil, but they're out there. And, yeah. and, and, and the pricing is, you know, right now it, it varies between like 60 cents all the way up to about 80 cents. So when you see, uh, you know, a case of ammo and it's inside of your price range, it's a good idea to go ahead and purchase it now because that's going to give you, if you follow that training plan of hundred rounds a month, it's going to give you, you know, 10 months of good quality training for yourself. Now, if you don't want to do hundred rounds a month, you can do 50 yeah. box a month. And now you've just given yourself like a two year. And I, I say 10 months because I usually try to give myself time off, you know, for holidays or I'm sick, I'm not feeling well, or my work schedule is just too busy that I can't afford, you know, 12 months to do that. So 10 months is an easy thing. Most people can do that. And when you can, when you can commit to a training plan like that, it gives, it gives some finite details to how you should approach purchasing your ammo. You what know, about like, how, how you approach the training? Like, where do you go? Right. Training? And, and, and I mean, you, you know, this, I know this, you go on YouTube and every Tom, Dick and Harry is out there telling you that the world, they're the world's greatest tactical shooter and blah, blah, blah. And you got yeah. kids who never even, you know, kids out there that just have been watching a lot of videos doing quick draws in their backyard. And now they're the, the pinnacle of training, right? You know, when you got serious guys like you and Tim and Pat out there, I mean, real, real, real masters of training, you know, how are, how are these people that are, like you said, had just come over and they're in tier one or, you know, or tier three and mm -hmm. four, you know, where do they look to find that good training? How do they do it locally? How do they do it nationally? So 
the the hard part is that again it's it's all about managing these anxieties that people have right so the first thing that i tell people is that when you purchase your firearm and you get home before you put it away pull out the owner's manual and read that thing cover to cover <laughs> i mean it's the simplest thing that you can do you can learn a lot about that firearm the second thing that i tell people is um most people, particularly that are moving into this, uh, uh, you know, like let's let's back up a sec. There are a lot of people that are like, you know what? I've been wanting to buy a gun. I just now now is my opportunity because you know I've been procrastinating, <laughs> and so great. And that and they're they're gung ho to get it and get get going in their training, evolution, and learning, and all that other business. So that that's there's one group of individuals, and that's a pretty good sized group as well. But the other group that has a little bit of anxiety towards all of this, and I don't want to keep harping on that because again, that took a lot to get to, but for them, they're probably more comfortable learning in the confines of their home. And so Mm. unfortunately videos do tend to be popular for that reason. Wow. Your, your, your Brown L stuff is just absolutely the best I've seen out there. So all those people who listen, if you, if you want by, by far the greatest introductory, uh, step by step for owning a new firearm, please go visit brownells.com and look up um, uh, the daily defense, Brownells daily defense, getting started with Jeff. And I'll swear, let me just run down a f- the four, four rules of firearm safety, owning a gun right for you, the importance of situational awareness. The fact that that's number three, brother, is absolutely brilliant. I love that you're doing it the, as a master trainer would do this. I mean, all the way down to self-defense ammunition, loading and unloading. I mean, this is really, I mean, this is, I got to tell you, this is the best I've ever seen done, bro. And you, you should be I, I really proud of yourself. I, I, I am very, very flattered. That means a lot coming from you. It really does. It means a lot. And, and it's funny because it was 2018 when I started to see the writing on the wall. Like I started to see something that the, rest of, the, industry, the rest of the industry didn't want to see this. It had nothing to do with the pandemic. What I saw was that there was a growing number of new gun owners coming into our market. And typically within our industry, we have this problem of everything has to be super cool, super tactical, super sexy. And we're only going to be working at the very top of this level. That's where everybody wants to be. It's like it's like 3% of the firearms industry is made up of the of this this the subsection of, of individuals <laughs> and everybody is competing to try to get that 3% of business. And it's like, you know, it's crazy. I mean, I I've, I've been in this business long enough to where I can say, you know, I don't need that. I don't want that. You know, we do enough training classes to, to, to the point where I can choose what I want to do and who I want to work with. I don't That's have cool. to do that. Yeah. So that I'm very grateful for. And I choose to work with the newer shooters because, for a lot of reasons. Number one, like if you really are as good as you say you are, then you have an obligation to work with these new shooters. And I'll tell you a funny story. You can appreciate it. I might've told you this story before too, but um, when I left the East coast to go to the West coast to take, um, to take my, um, to go to buds as an instructor, I was checking out of the team area and I went through all the departments and I kind of, I think I finished with the, the training department almost last. And there was an old mass chief in there, a guy named Steve Russell. Love this man. <laughs> I mean, that I learned more from him about like destroying things than, I, than anybody else I could possibly learn from. I mean, he was fantastic. He was a great guy. 
And he was, the, he was the MacPoc there at the training department. And I remember as I check, I'm checking out with him, he's sitting at his desk, big open room in the, in the team area. I hand him my checkout form and he looks at it and he kind of like bewildered. He's like, where are you going? And I was like, well, I'm heading over to Bud's. It's going to be a third phase instructor. He's like, good for you. He's all excited for me. And I'm like, oh man, I don't know, Mac Chief. You You're know? like, this sucks. What yeah. Are you I was like, I was kind of like, yeah. you know, I was, I was, uh, you know, like I just wasn't as excited as he was. Like I was like, because to me, leaving, leaving the East coast meant that I was in a sense, leaving operationally, you know, I was going at to the, to the training side, not the operational side. And, and I wasn't happy about that, but I was doing this because, you know, needs of the Navy, number one. But um, when there was a guy that was at the command that had a really bad family issue and he had those orders. So I ended up volunteering to take his orders to go. Oh man, that's so, awesome, brother. Yeah, it was kind of a shitty situation for him. And when I, when I was checking out, the mass chief was like, he, I, I can remember his demeanor changed. I mean, he was like sitting and slouching down in his chair, like kind of sitting here. And as soon as I kind of like told him, I don't know, Master Chief, I'm not really excited about going out there. You know, I just, nah, you know, I just want to be out here where I pull triggers. That's all I want, you know? Yeah. And he just kind of like, I remember he's like, listen up. And he got very stern with me at that moment. <laughs> like I, I thought for sure he was going to come over that table. I thought for sure that he was going to yeah. come over that table at most. And his words that he said to me was, you earned all of your experience the hard way. And you have an obligation to share that with the rest of the community. And it starts there at Bud's. And he said it differently, but much more colorfully. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and I remember, and, and, and it meant a lot to me. So when I talk to the guys in our industry, if you're not working, at least in some capacity, to help usher in these new shooters, you're part of the problem. Because you, know, you, you need, if you're the best of the best, you're the cream of the crop, you need to be working down here at the entry level to help facilitate these new gun owners to help them to become 2A advocates. I want my best shooters down here teaching these Absolutely. guys. Absolutely. I don't want them to have to run into like, you know, not that there's anything wrong with them, but the, you know, guys that just don't have that same background, that same experience. It's not that it would be bad, but like if we really want to help people come to a realization of why the second amendment is so important, then you've got to put your best, you got to put your, 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 you know, your, your stallions, your racehorses out there in the front. And your pitchmen. I mean, essentially that's yeah. what it is. I, I, yeah. I can't yeah. tell you how many courses, uh, how many civilians and, or whatever I've trained with the best guys, you know, tier one level guys, you know, guys that have, you know, 20 plus years. I mean, real trigger pull, real combat time, all that shit. And they can't teach a basic introductory <laughs> firearms class. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm looking around going, uh, no, we're not going to jump right into box drill. <laughs> no, we, no, we're going to, we're going to work out. We're going to work at a basic isosceles triangle right now and, and a good shooting platform. All right. <laughs> it's, it's so funny that you say that because it's true. I mean, the, these guys are like, I mean, we know so many of them. Uh, I mean, and these guys are outstanding. These are the guys that you want behind you as you go through the door, no question about it. Right. But they may not be the best guys at trying to transfer that knowledge to somebody that doesn't have that same skill level. And, and that's a hard thing. That's not easy. And I, and I, and I, um, I say that because I had to learn that firsthand myself. Like when I right. came out of the Navy, there were very few special operations guys that were doing training at the time. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was a pretty, it was a hard transition to make coming from working with team guys to working with the general public. Yeah. There was, certain, there was a certain mindset that I had. And granted that was helpful because that, that is who I am. Mm -hmm. 
But at the same time, you, you have to be able to like, I've looked at my position as an instructor and I still call myself a firearms instructor, but really what I'm more of nowadays is a mentor. Yeah, man, that's beautiful. Manage their own discovery and manage their own path to get into where they need to be. Because I, I mean, the reality is that I only see them for a two day class, three day class, maybe five day class max. Yeah. And I've got to be able to impart on them how to, to, to advocate for their own training needs and their own educational needs. Like where, how do you do that when I'm not there? Well, let's, let's, let's cross over into the philosophical realities of becoming an advocate for the second amendment. Sure. And why is that so important? Do you believe right now? Well, it, it's always been important first. And I, and I, I say that simply because when our founding fathers, and I'm not a constitutional lawyer, right? I'm not going to pretend to be one. I have slept in a holiday inn before, but, <laughs> but you're showing I, your age on that. <laughs> joke, <bud. laughs> you are showing your age. Uh, I hope, I hope people uh, have to Google that to figure yeah, out what that like, means. What the hell does he mean by on the stage? What? Yeah. But, um, so like the way that I look at it and, and, and I, I've studied it. That's been one of the areas that I've really enjoyed studying that, that part of our history. And, and learning about that time period, what it meant to be alive in that time period, and what it meant to live under the yoke of tyranny that our forefathers lived under. Right. And why the Constitution was created, why we fought for our independence, why it was worth dying for back then. Because that's important that we understand that people died to, uh, to, to write the Constitution. People died for the ideas that eventually were documented in the greatest living document ever. 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 <laughs> and I tell people that, like, it's, is it perfect? Of course not. It was drawn up by men. So it's not going to be perfect, but it is the best document out there right now. And the reason why the Second Amendment is so important is because it safeguards the most important right, which is the First Amendment. Our ability to speak out without persecution, without condemnation, without being in fear for our lives, running and running and hiding because we disagree with somebody needs to be protected at all costs because that's what keeps everything in check. Me being able to call out a politician, me being able to call out a government official because I don't think that what they're doing is right, legal or morally you know, in line. And so without that, people are left to run amok. Well, let me ask you a tough question then, Jeff. Obviously, you're familiar with the suppression, right? Mm -hmm. You, I'm sure you're familiar with what happened to Pat. Mm -hmm. he, was, he was taken down and thankfully Joe and Kelly Slater stepped in and, and, and got us all stuff back. Uh, uh, you know, I've been suppressed. Um, uh, you know, I, they just took down uh, Shopify just dropped Mike Glover's site, Fieldcraft Survival. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, how many other people have been deplatformed? Definitely YouTube throttling all gun industry people right now. Mm -hmm. No ability to earn any money on your videos on YouTube. You, mm -hmm. If you anything to do with firearms, they will not allow you to monetize them. So how close in your mind are we uh, to having to defend that right? Uh, so... I feel like that's a, I mean, that's a harder question to answer because there's a couple of things. Number one, 
what I see. And, and, and the reason I ask this, just so the audience understands this, yeah, yeah. I, I think I know you get it, but you know, you have to, when you think about what Jeff's talking about in terms of the tiers of ownership and what that means and moving through that transition, there's a burden of responsibility that moves into it. And as mm -hmm. you become more affiliated or more passionate about your right to have a firearm, carry a firearm and be able to defend yourself at all caution, then you have to start understanding that that is under attack as well too. Um, and, and so they're, they're, the reality of, of the suppression of freedom of speech and the reality of the potentiality for them taking away that con second amendment constitution, that's happening. It's it, and it's at play right now. It's it and that's is. That's why I'm asking Jeff because he is an expert in in this in this industry, and so it's critical for you all to listen to what an expert says, not what some crazy lunatic on on YouTube is putting out about preparing for civil war or something else, but somebody who's rational and understands the industry. And that's why I'm asking Jeff this. Sorry, Jeff. If I just no, wanted. I think that was great. That that was a great lead up, and so. The, uh, the reality, whether we like to admit it or not, is that there is a tremendous amount of censorship that is happening right now. And it's happening on a variety of subjects, but it is predominantly on conservative values. And a conservative value that we share is the right to defend ourselves, the right to protect life. And so part of that is the Second Amendment. A, a, an integral part of that fiber is the Second Amendment. And so what we're seeing is we're seeing the censorship of people that are speaking out in, in defense of the Second Amendment. And those folks are being, as you said, deplatformed, censored, basically, the bottom line. Now, where are we at with all of that? I think the best course of action that we could expect is for all of those platforms to be regulated. Now, I say that with a grain of salt because that means that we are, in a sense, regulating freedom of speech, right? However, these organizations have, to a certain extent, the legal definition is still kind of like Gray, developed a monopoly on these platforms. So they're no longer, they, for me, I, I agree with Joe Rogan when he said that these platforms are now utilities, and need to be regulated by the government to ensure fairness. Because that's what's happened right now. We've allowed them through, through our own mistakes by giving them all this power because we want to be on social media. We have, particip we have contributed to this problem. But the problem is, is that it's not self-correcting. Well, it's not fair. There's, there's yeah. no, it's not a, an equitable level. Like if my choice... It, 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 it is not an equitable choice distribution, right? They can choose to do whatever and there's no ramifications. I've put in over 400 requests as to why my website is deemed against community standards. And, and, and another, you know, out of the 400, about 150 of those is to Instagram. Why are you locking me out? And it's, there's no recourse. There's no, uh, there's no, pathway to discovering what the problems are. And we know why. There's, there's several reasons why. They put more... So if I were to look at it from a corporation point of view... Excuse me. <laughs> yes, puppy, I see you. If I were to put this in a corporation kind of like thought process, they have two departments. 
right? They have their command structure and they have two departments. Sorry. Oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> She's getting a little antsy, but we have two departments, right? We have the department of um, oversight. Breeze, oh, cut it out. Oversight to ensure that our policies are being upheld. Mm -hmm. And that department has 75% of the personnel in it. Okay. Then the department to right the wrongs of the other department has two people, one of which is called in sick every day for like the last 10 years. Right? That's, the, that's the reality of what we're looking at. They put more <laughs> emphasis in the other department than they do in righting their wrongs. Right, right. And, and until, until they can see the error in their ways, that's why things have to be, like we have to have that honest conversation about regulation. Like at first I was against it. I was not happy about it because I'm a, I'm a staunch believer in freedom of speech. And it's true. You don't have to go onto their platform and use it. You have a choice. The problem where it becomes an issue is when they have closed the market down to competitive opportunities. Oh, when, for sure. When, when, like if, if, if that were the case, if, if somebody tells me, well, you don't have to use Facebook. Show me another platform that I can use that can do the same thing and I will use it. I agree. I, but my thing is, is you brought me in under these pretenses mm -hmm. you said, Hey, this is what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. And then based on your own desires, whether they're financial or political or whatever they might be, you've, sh you've changed the agreement on me. Mm -hmm. And after I've invested not only a profound amount to benefit and promote your platform to share, you know, be a user to help other people to promote it within it to utilize my business so you can advertise through my own business through my own ex exposure. All these, it's a give and take. Well, now that give and take is not equitable anymore. And so, you so know, you, yeah. And so now, you know, you go to that space. All right. Well, how far does the nation go before the Second Amendment kicks in? Well, so like, I feel like the first step is going to be bringing them into the courts with an antitrust suit. Which is happening, right? We've exactly. got Google and Facebook facing one. Yep. And I think Twitter is inside as a, as a defendant on that as well. So that's right. good because I feel like they're going to have to start to realize that if they, because they're going to have to recognize at one point, they're, like they're just an entity. If the government decides to regulate them, they're going to have no choice but to follow what the government wants them to do. And I caution against that because this is where I feel like they need to step in and do the right thing because they need to now start to be advocates for the freedom of speech, the First Amendment. And they need to start to correct their wrongs so that the government doesn't step in and actually do it for us right. because I'm not an advocate of that. I don't have a problem bringing that stick out and carrying that stick and hitting, hit, you know, slapping that stick around. I just don't want that stick to be used because it's a slippery slope. Well, it's interesting, you know, all the folks that are are, are behind Parler right now and Rumble, yeah, yeah. you know, like Dan Bongino, you know, he's out there in this whole, you know, Trump just said in the defense bill that if he, he he's not going to sign it unless two thirty is revoked from, you know, the statute, right? And, and Bongino's like, whoa, 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 whoa. If you revoke that, then, you know, all the other new platforms are susceptible. And he had a great idea, which was just make any of whatever you say criminal. So you can't advocate for terrorism. You can't suggest you're going to kill somebody. 
you can't do any of that. That's the egregious criminality of, of commentary online. But man, be a big, everybody put your big boy pants on and, and open it up. And, and, you know, if, you know, you, 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 you can't advocate for free speech and then say everything out of my mouth that you don't like is hate speech and then su- suppress it. Right. I, I couldn't see that's the problem that I've got. I have, I, I, I agree with him there. I don't like where we're going, but here's the thing. The president is right to make that decision because he's forcing those platforms to be the to, to do the morally right thing. Mm-hmm. L- either see this burn or do the right thing. That's because cool. I, I don't like the idea of, of that being revoked, but at the same time, what other options do we have? Like I, I understand the the, comp- the the consequences of how that affects new platforms. I recognize that that's a bad thing. And the whole reason why we have these new platforms is to combat the existing platforms. I do understand all of that, but I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to see what Facebook, Twitter, and Google are going to do to stop this. Where are you at? Are you a true advocate for freedom of speech? Because if you are, you need to recognize that what you're doing is biased, plain and simple, own it, accept responsibility for the the, the, the easy, I, I, I mean, an eighth grader can recognize the censorship that's happening right now, right. right? And I say to people, if a child knows it's wrong, it's wrong. If a, if a child knows that what, they're, what is happening right now is, is a bad thing, then, then an adult should have no problem recognizing that it's bad, it's wrong. Right. And do the right thing. That's all that I think we can hope for because the worst, like, like we're, we're moving in unprecedented territory. All right. First of all, we we're having we're having our rights violated because of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Right. We're being forced to do things. We're being forced to close businesses down. We're being forced to live at home. We're being forced to to actually suffer through not being able to make to, to have a job, to make money, to buy food, to, to clothe your family, to put a roof over your head. That, I believe, is like questionably, you know, I'm, I'm having a hard time with that from a constitutional point of view. But the, the issue that I have right now with those platforms is that if they're going to stay, if they're going to survive this, they have to be neutral. Right. And if they're neutral, great. Let other people, you know, stand up for their beliefs and, and bring to the, bring to the discussion why they have a difference of a belief. Don't just shut down the conversation because you don't like it because this is what we're seeing. The reason why so many people, because instead of sitting here and having a conversation like you and I are having, where we, we have to, we, we, there's, there's, it's not an emotionally based conversation. It's just a reasonable conversation that I use facts and figures and logic to help support. The problem is, is that that does not fit well into what I call the juice box generation, <laughs> right? That doesn't fit well because they're so used to having everything without having to work for it or like just because I disagree with them doesn't make me their enemy, but that's how they look at me. Absolutely. And so, and that's the question. How close is, is the assault on the second amendment happening now? Well, we have, is it, is, is Beto O'Rourke a reality is, is Kamala Harris a reality that there will be a mandatory buyback if they get in office and they have the Senate? Okay. First of all, what we have to do is we have to correct language. 
Mm -hmm. Mandatory buyback is not a buyback. <laughs> it's, it's confiscation. Absolutely. So, so I'm, I'm not going to play a word game with them. You want to take all the guns, then call it what it is. It's confiscation. All right. Don't try because this is the problem. They've used kinder, gentler terms to try to facilitate Chip their away. end means. Exactly. So no, I'm not going to buy that. If you want to confiscate weapons, come out and say that. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to move an inch in my decision, my beliefs, my ideas until you start speaking the truth. You start speaking the truth. Then we can have a conversation. Maybe you can sway me to some of the reasons why you think that's a good thing. All right, let's have a conversation about that. You want to confiscate guns? Tell me why. Explain to me logically and back it up with data why you feel that way. And I'm going to listen. I will give you that. I will 100% sit down at the table and listen to you because that's what respectful humans do to one another. All right. But then in, in turn, you'll need to listen to me and why I believe my ways and my, why I believe in my beliefs and, and be able to at least have a, an open-minded conversation about that. Like, huh? Like I tell people, are, this. are you able to have that conversation like at the range or in your classes? Are, are you having conversations that are, are where people are actually using some critical thinking and respectful of one another in these very in, ideological beliefs in, in the, like in my classes, absolutely. And I've had people that have come to the classes that again, were not the, you know, if you would ask them a year ago, would you be sitting in a firearms training class, learning how to shoot a firearm for self-defense? They would have told you, hell no. Yeah. Right. But now we're in a different set of circumstances. And, and I, and I don't, I don't really, I don't, I, I am completely neutral when it comes to why you want to carry like, I'm not really, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to get into that conversation. As long as you're not a criminal and you can be legally in possession of a firearm, I don't care what your reasons are because the constitution guarantees your right to do that. Yeah. My job is to try to help you do it safer and yeah. more efficiently. And that's it. Now, and if in the process you start to change your viewpoints, that's great. If in the process of meeting other people, I start to change my viewpoints, that's great. And that's not a bad thing. Changes. Or at least some consolidation, right? Oh, least, yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you, you capitulate to certain realities of their mind, right? And you say, okay, I, they, they firmly believe in this ideology, right? Sure. Uh, you know, uh, kids accessing firearms, uh, uh, you know, the proliferation of, of illegal firearms and the say, illegal firearm sales within the drug industry. Um, you know, I mean, it's... You know, all these things are legitimized, but when you start to conflate the two issues that, you know, mass shooters could be eradicated, even though they represent what 0.04% of all homicides every year or something ridiculous. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, and they start again, they start massaging the argument to a place where, you, you know, Hey, let's just, let's just, all right, we'll start. Let's just see if, if we get rid of high capacity my magazines. Right? So <laughs> then, yeah, I tell people this, I tell people this in, in a, in a sense to help them try to come to grips. All right. So if you're against gun ownership, why are you against gun ownership? And a lot of nobody times, should have to have a military style <laughs> assault rifle. It, it, they're not used for sport. They're used to kill and murder and maim. And the more of them that are out there, the more people are going to get killed, period. So that's that's 
like the the best way that I can respond to that is that is an emotionally based response. There's no logic based in that. Yeah, there really right. isn't. So for instance, like what are we trying to achieve but with gun control? Are we trying to are we trying to reduce the number of deaths? And if so, what type of deaths are we trying to reduce? Are we trying to reduce accidental deaths? Are we trying to reduce homicides? What How about we, we start with uh, suicides? Let's just start with 65% of uh, of of gun deaths every year. Well, we, I mean, we could do that, and and we can start with that. But here's the problem: that's not the issue, exactly. right? It's exactly. not the issue. It's so the issue is that that's a mentally that that is somebody that is a mentally disturbed and in need of help, and they're going to do whatever. If they were committed to using a firearm, they're committed to killing themselves with whatever tools available to themselves. And the actually the number one, uh, the number one method for suicide has been for the longest time medication over medicating themselves absolutely and well, it's never it's it cracks me up man this art you know this discussion as they want to present you you have seven hundred thousand people die of opiate overdoses in the last 15 years and and yet nobody is advocating for the eradication of opioids it's it, it and that's that's another problem so like let's get to the root of the issue i want to hear what your complaint is about the gun control and why you feel that way. What is it? What is the, what is that, that, that kind of like visceral response? To yeah. It? Is it, is it reasonable? For instance, if you don't feel comfortable owning a firearm because you don't feel like it's safe, great, fantastic. You probably shouldn't own a firearm, but you can't impose upon me your, you can't impose your will upon me because of your feelings. Well, you make me feel unsafe. If you, if I live next door to you and you're a gun toting crazy person and you have guns, that makes me feel unsafe. I don't want you to have guns next to me. And that's and what I tell people is that that is your prerogative to feel that way. I'm not going to tell you how to feel, but your feelings don't trump my rights. Right. So that's the bottom line. And so when you get to that type of discussion, it's great that you can have that discussion like, hey, you know what? I'm not going to apologize because you feel bad. That's whose problem is that? Is that my problem or is that your problem? Mm -hmm. I might be able to suggest some help for you and say like, hey, maybe you should consider this. But then when you think about what's at the cause, it's loss of life, needless loss of life. That's what, if we can all come together at this table and say, we're against gun control because of needless loss of life, or we're for gun control because of needless loss of life. I'm like, all right. I'm I, up for that. Absolutely. I, I too am against I am for, or I'm against the needless loss of life, but I'm not going to assign a, a I'm not going to assign it to guns. I'm going to say needless loss of life in general. I'm against that. Now, if we take a step back and we look at needless loss of life, what is the number one cause of needless loss of life out there? It's not guns. No. And if you really wanted to get deep into the weeds here, I would start to bring into the equation. If you really want to, if you want to talk to me about this needless loss of life concern, then are you for or against abortion? Because if you are so committed to this needless loss of life, then why are you standing on the side of the fence that is murdering children that have no right to defense? They're, they're, they have no rights because we don't acknowledge their rights. And so I've been a strong, I've been really quiet about that for the longest time until I started to associate the needless loss of life argument. Right. And once I started to associate the needless loss of, of life argument, all of these other things started to become more important to me. 
you know, they're, I mean, because if we start to look at it from a grander scale, needless loss of life, the number one cause of death globally is starvation. Absolutely. And we're not talking about that. Well, if you just look at that alone, the pandemic, uh, human uh, hunger has quadrupled in the last nine months. It's, it's, it's absolutely, it's so frustrating because, hey, if we really want to be a good human and, and, and the dominant species in here that cares about our fair, fellow man, why aren't we having that conversation? Why aren't we talking about needless loss of life in the grand scheme of things? And what are you doing to combat that? You know, like, I can't tell you what is right or what is wrong. I can tell you that your feelings to me are infringing on my rights. And I'm not going to stand for that. Now, the bottom line is it eventually, you either kind of start to change your point of view. And this is the beautiful thing about this discussion is it's going to culminate down into two things. You either persuade me to your point of view or you force me to your point of view. I'm going to encourage you to try to persuade me. That is your best choice, but you also need to accept that you may not persuade me. Well, that's the, the thing you said in the beginning, right? That listen, if, if, if you give up your rights, you got to kill to get them back. You said that's that so in true. the beginning. And, <laughs> and, and I don't think, I don't think this progressive movement, especially, you know, the, the, the AOCs and, and, and a lot of these other, the defund, the police, all this, they really recognize what they're suggesting. Right. And you look at some of these cities, I mean, Chicago on what had on Monday, it had what 34 cow, you know, 34, 24 gunshots and two, you know, seven on Monday. That's a Monday. Mm -hmm. Well, it was a 30, 3,111 homicides since January, right? In the year. And, and they've got the most staunch gun uh, restriction laws, gun control laws in the country, but, but this is happening. So, you know, there's, there's a confusion. And so if there's confusion in the discussion to me, that lends me to go that, well, it's really not about the issue itself. It's, no. it's, it's, it's not, that's, it's a political issue. So true. That's why if we can agree on the subject, we are going to sit down and talk about needless loss of life. We can dispense with all of this crazy and we can focus on what can we do to prevent or reduce the needless loss of life. I mean, when I was talking, I was, uh, I got asked by um, another, I was on a podcast and the host asked me, you know, several of the, of the guys, it was a, it was a, it was like um, bettering a man, manhood kind of podcast. And, yeah. and the, the question was like the household, disagrees between firearms in the home, you know, like, so one party male or female doesn't like firearms in the home and they they're concerned about that. And I'm like, well, I, I get that. And that's a tough thing because, you know, you've got to cohabitate, but you also have to be on the same sheet of music about all of this. And so how do you manage that? And, and the way that I suggest is like, like you baby proof your home for a reason, your child, your young child has a higher chance of choking or drowning than ever being in, in an accidental shooting in your own home. And so if you look at those kind of statistics, what are you doing to protect your, your child from, um, from choking? And what are you doing to protect your child from drowning? You know, we do all these other things, you know, like, you know, everything from, you know, baby locks on doors and drawers to, to keep them from walking outside or getting into the poison. And then everything from like plugs to keep them from putting their fingers inside of the sockets. You know, we're doing all these things for a reason, 
because we're trying to protect them. And so the same thing can be said about firearms. There's things that you can do to safeguard the firearm so that children do not have access. But then you also have to take a step back and realize that the likelihood of that happening is so low compared to all these other things. Yeah. All these other things are out there. And that's my point. It's like we get so fixated on the gun that we forget that there are a whole hell of a lot of other things. Like, I mean, you and I have a much higher chance of being a fatality in an auto accident. Oh my else. God. Down on I-95 here from, from Miami to West Palm is one of the most dangerous stretches of highway. The most dangerous stretch of highway is the 75 corridor through, through uh, Orlando up to Atlanta. I mean, it's just, it's a, you know, fatalities daily on that thing. We have down here on our roadways, we have these, um, information signs and when they're not putting out information like you know uh, amber alert or silver alert they have this running tally of number of deaths on the road wow here in texas and and at this time we're every year i've been paying attention to it and we hover right around three thousand deaths every year every year on the on the roadways texas roadways so you know there's there's a lot of things that are out there that are dangerous i mean li living life is dangerous amen it's not it's not for the it's not for the you know the problem is that, yeah it's not it's <laughs> not for the weak at heart for sure you know just like getting old is not for the weak that's one other thing that i've learned recently <laughs> holy cow man. you're but, still getting after it though your daily yeah. workout videos make me want to puke man you speed <laughs> them up and i'm like yeah i mean just watching how many reps you're doing right but you know i mean the getting back to that discussion about you either are going to persuade me or you're going to have to force me, right? Yes. Persuade. What about I, this one? Let me just throw this one last one because I know you're 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 getting close, but I, I want to throw one more monkey in the wrench for sure. Go for it. And that's the argument that hey, the Second Amendment was uh, you know designed back in the 1700s. It isn't relative today. Uh, it's a bunch of revolutionaries that put it in there. It wasn't even well thought out. James Madison really put it in there to earn a spot in Congress to make a run at the presidency. And, and it's not relevant today. What, what do you, how do you respond to that one? Well, I would ask them to define how it's not relevant. Because we, we don't, we live in a society where there isn't revolution. We're much more advanced intellectually. Uh, so, we're better at solving problems. So you're saying we're more civil. We're more civil. Yes. So then explain to me how we have such a high rate of deaths from drug overdose, from war, from disputes. How is it that we've become so civil when we have people that are literally fighting to get a roll of toilet paper in a grocery store. How exactly are we more civilized at this point? Well, uh, I understand about it. So you should have your right to own a gun, but why do you need an, an, an AR-15? Why do you need a military assault rifle? Well, I will say this, that if that's the logic that you would like to use, fair enough, then your Facebook app is irrelevant for the exact same reasons. Interesting. Your Facebook, your Twitter, your Instagram, all were not built around freedom of speech as intended by our forefathers back then. So if you wanna communicate with me, you can get your printing press out and you can send <laughs> me a letter through your printing press that we can then argue about back and forth. Or we can have a town hall meeting where we sit there, the 16 of us that we can get into that town hall to talk about that. 
the problem, the point that I make is that most of the time these arguments are not very well thought out arguments. For instance, the, the whole reason behind the second amendment was not necessarily to the, the militia to fight back the, the, um, the British. The reason for the second amendment was to ensure that our own government that replaced the tyrannical government did not lose sight of who they were governing. It, it was that simple. It was put in there as a protective measure to ensure that number one, freedom of speech, because back then you got to put it in perspective. If I spoke out against the King, I'd get rolled up and put into the stockade mm -hmm. just for speaking out against the King, paying taxes. I don't want to pay taxes. I'm speaking out against the King. I get off with up. his head. <laughs> or you get thrown into the stockade as an example. That was the whole right. reason why the stockade existed was so that everybody could, Oh, why is he in that stockade? People don't understand how painful it was to be in the stockade for more than two days. Brutal. It was. And what would happen when you're in the stockade. So um, my point is that we were not going to replace one tyrannical government with another. The whole point behind that was to ensure that we had the ultimate checks and balances to ensure that whoever took over our new land, our new world, understood that there was a, a checks and balance. And it was the first amendment and the second amendment. So let me ask you this. So let's say incoming group goes in within the first hundred days, like they're talking about, you know, they control the Senate immediate gun confiscation. Boom. Mm -hmm. Right away. How do people respond to that? What, what should people do? Right. Should they go to the, like we saw with some of the lockdowns, should they show up at the state capitals fully armed, fully kitted out? Should they be walking down the streets fully kitted? I mean, we saw the one uh, African-American group in Atlanta who uh, both times they did it, they had two ADs, yeah. <laughs> you know, e each time. Is that what we need? Is that what needs to happen to, to get them to stop and go the other direction or, or where, I mean, where are we at? I think, no, I don't think that's like, the only thing that that's going to do, in my opinion, is to reinforce the, um, the reasons why they're doing this, right? And I'm not saying not to go in there and protest, but I don't think, I don't think that's going to actually equate to any it moving the needle. I don't think that'll move the needle. I think that's a feel-good event, and it's great to get a lot of like-minded people together and actually peacefully protest a, a wrong from the government. I'm 100% behind that. I don't think that that's going to actually change anything. The only thing that will change is, you know, you, the, there's, there's an old Western saying, you live by three boxes, the jury box, the ammunition box, and the pine box. <laughs> so, you know, um, jury box can be replaced by voter box, you know, the voting box. So my best suggestion is to become more like, the amount of people that are actually involved in their local politics is actually really, really low, very low. And local politics are where it's all at. Like it's all at the, in the local. Yeah. At the national level, it's one thing. Everybody's focused about that, but really we need to be focused on the local, like here, the city council here in Austin, what's happening there. Um, my hope is that there's some changes to the seats there through this period and that that continues. And then before you know it, 
people are going to like, I believe in our election system. I believe it needs to change. I need, I believe that the integrity and the transparency of it needs to be ironclad, but I believe Do you think it the, is right now. I, I have my doubts. I really feel as though there is, there is enough, there's enough sketchiness out there that there needs to be an investigation, a formal investigation that is overseen by not just the Federal Bureau of Investigation, but Congress as as well. There's, a special counsel to it. I, I would like to see a special counsel go out and I would like to see that special counsel be um, completely honest with everyone. I think that's what, number one, that's what we deserve. But number two, that's what we need. I feel as though that's well, what we really I, need. I feel, I, I think if we don't get, if we don't get that or at least get these cases in, in these particular states to the Supreme Court and allow the Supreme Court to, to review the evidence and then to, to give us a final, nope, this is what we believe. Yeah. You know, we're, we're in jeopardy now because you got 72 million Americans and, and a Rasmussen poll came out yesterday saying, uh, that three fourths of the Democratic Party feels that the election was a little hinky as well, too. I, yeah. I know there's enough yeah. there. That's what I'm saying. We need that should be the forefront of our discussions right now, as far as what's currently happening with the elections. Um, as it relates to, you know, the gun rights and what can people do? Educate yourself on your local ordinances and law and state laws. For instance, um, I'm going to start a um, probably be, it'll probably be after the holidays, but I'm going to start a new, not a new, but just a, just a short little video series on some of the new bills proposed here in Texas. That oh, God Texas. bless you for doing that. That's a great idea, man. Well, and great the whole, idea. yeah, the reason why I'm doing it is to try to educate people on what what is, what is that, what is happening? Like, cause a lot of these bills are going to get passed or they're going to like, here's how, here's what I'm telling people is that right now there's 35 new bills that all have to do with gun control being proposed in our Texas legislation. And um, the whole point behind 35 is not all 35 are going to get through, but there's going to be five or seven that do, and they're going to have an impact on our quality of life. So my point is that we, the, the reason why this happens is because we let it happen. We let these kinds of legislative bills get proposed and passed or proposed and opposed. But the point is that the local people need to actually step up and get involved and hold their local politicians accountable for what they're doing. Wow. Like I, 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 there's, there's no reason for us, like gun laws have been on the books now for a very long time. I, I, I remind everybody, I like to do this in the beginning of a conversation. Are you aware that committing murder is against the law? <laughs> because all of these other laws that you're coming up with lead me to believe that you don't know that. <laughs> and I want to make sure that you understand that it is against the law to commit murder. So are you aware of that? And, and, you know, like a lot of times people, people are like, well, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, it's, it's already against the law. Right. Right. What, 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 what more, you know, it's like, well, maybe the, and I love this part. Like you mentioned the, the gun transfers from the criminal element. And the problem with that 
is that they're 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 doing that illegally because they're already a criminal. <laughs> they cannot legally possess a firearm. So the only way that they can do that is to illegally transfer. There's no it's like a play on words. There's no way for them to legally transfer a gun because they are by nature illegal inhibited from owning a firearm there is i love i love the 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 triple negative they're in the country illegally they're committing illegal acts by selling uh not only human beings but drugs and they're utilizing and transferring illegal firearms it's it's comical it's comical some of this stuff but you know like my recommendation is again to get involved locally. Get out yeah. there and start to do something, even if it's just becoming more aware of what's happening around you. Because here's the problem: most of us want to live our lives without interference. We'll go about our business, raise our children, pay our taxes, live a good life. Amen. That's it. But when you start to infringe on that, there's where I think. The good, honest working folks need to actually take a step back, roll their sleeves up and get into the mix. Absolutely. On both sides, man. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I, I mean, I, I, don't, I know a, a, a ton of, of liberal gun owners. I mean, yeah. you know, guns have been a part of their family since they were raised, since they were yeah. kids. And, and it, and it, you know, and, and there are, they are advocates of the second amendment and in, and, you know, and I think what's happened and, and, and is just getting worse and worse and worse is that people that are controlling the narrative, so to speak, the, the censors, if you will, or the, uh, or the propagandist. Yeah, the propagandist. There you go. Um, you know, they're they're disenfranchising this discussion. They're they're creating an, an inability for people like you and I to be able to access, you know, you know, level-headed people to have a, a legitimate, intelligent discussion about not only the Second Amendment, but guns, gun ownership, gun mm-hmm. training, and all the way down the line to where you can, I, I believe, like you, is that uh, the the right to, to bear arms is a fundamental right, right? It's fundamental to be able to protect yourself, your property, your, your family mm-hmm. at all times, no matter where you are, is a fundamental right that America has, has, has shed enough blood over to, to guarantee that right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in order for that to continue, you know, it's like you have to put some adults in the room so they can come from the other side and present those arguments, like you said, not emotional arguments, but a legitimate argument. Of, yeah. of, and, that, and I love how you put it in the context of, all right, needless needless loss of life that that's just a beautiful thing right there it is and you know and 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 i tell people this too it's like when and and not to keep getting back to it but it's an important distinction between um like you either you have two choices you can either persuade me or you're going to have to force me right so if you can persuade me and i like to think of myself as open-minded i i'm not so shut off but I will tell you this, if you come to me with gun control, I'm going to come back at you with like, why? What is the what is the agenda behind the gun control? What are you trying to accomplish here? And if we can get to that point, if I can navigate you to the eventual point that I hope everybody can come to the table with, which is needless loss of life, then it's not about guns, right? But if you persist on that and you can't persuade me, then you're going to have no choice but to force me. 
And that's where I believe you were kind of alluding to, like, where are we at with all of that? Okay, well, the force means conflict. The force means violence. The force means you're going to have to affect what you're trying to propose with your own hands, which means that you're going to have to try and enforce those rules by your own hands. And the reality that I tell people is that that is not a good option for you. It really isn't because you're not good at violence. You're not. And there's a lot of other people that are good upstanding Americans that are. I mean, we've been fighting a war for 10 plus years. There mm -hmm. are a lot of veterans that have a very intimate understanding of what violence is. And we move about our daily lives just like every other human, right? But when you move to that level where you are no longer able to convince me of your narrative, that I don't believe that that narrative is in my best interest, that I'm opposed to it, and you can no longer persuade me, now we're at that point where we're at that force. And that's the powder keg that I'm worried about. Because I do believe that, like, I do believe that there's enough people that are so short-sighted in their beliefs and short-sighted in their thoughts that they, they would be quick to light that powder keg. And, and I just don't think that any of us want that to happen. Nobody no. wants that. Are you kidding me? You, can you imagine, you know, you know, 1500, 2000 Antifa guys show up in a, in a city center and they're standing in front of them or former a hundred soft guys that have 10, 15 years of combat experience under the belt. And, it's, and, and now all of a sudden you have massacres in streets and in cities. It's not what people we have want. no idea what, what they're talking about with this stuff. No not idea. Uh, what I tell people is this is like the stupidest thing. The stupidest thing you could have done was try to defund the police because the police oh. are the only things that are keeping you safe. The you only the thing. Protesters. That's what I find so ironic. Well, in this whole thing. well, that's what ideology does to you right very true that that's 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 the one guy in the the sea of of people doing this and there's right? the one dude like this no like, i'm not gonna do it i'm not doing it and 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 you know people need to realize and i think i, I think you know what what's indicative of the level of that level that that magnitude of of opposition is is the substantial nature of how many people showed up in opposition of of what was out there i mean it is you know you got this country split down the middle and and i, I, and I don't know if it's split down the middle per se interesting like, why do you say that because again there's no way to accurately know that like like good point the, good the point. media the media is is too tainted to be able to depict an accurate image of that but what i will say is this if we were to look at all of the rallies that occurred in the run-up to this election, it certainly shows that the silent majority is no longer willing to be silent. Yeah. And it seems to me that the silent majority was willing to come out and support their president. And I did not see that same level of interest from the opposition. Mm -hmm. So, if I were to just say argumentatively, if I were to base the belief on being split down the middle based on what I saw at rallies, 
where people come out to support their ideological beliefs. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's split down the middle. I, think I would it's, say it's more heavily tilted in, in the conservative. I think, it, I think it always has been because here's another, another values, right? Well, here's another argument that, you know, typically the, the, the minority with the, the, the minor, minority of groups scream the loudest. You know what I'm saying? So Absolutely. it's like, so there's, there's also that kind of potential that, you know, there, the, all of the yap yapping is coming from a very small minority. Interesting. And that's, and that the majority of like, I really do think like I've traveled all over this country. I was talking about, yeah, this you have great perspective, man. Yeah. I I've, I've, I've visited just about, I, in fact, I'm almost certain that I've visited every single state I've conducted training in every state, except for Alaska and Connecticut. And <laughs> I got you on Alaska, bud. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I've been to Alaska, but I've never trained from the Tricon umbrella out there. And yeah. so it, it was one of these things where, you know, like I, I get to travel and I get to see and, and, and visit, And I love doing that. I do. Yeah, I love, man. like, I, I, the pulse. I, yeah, I spent my entire military career traveling outside of our country. And, you know, the one thing that taught me was to appreciate how good we have it in our country. Then all of a sudden, one day I wake up and I realize I haven't really seen my country. Like I've lived, I've lived, I was born and raised here in Texas. Then I lived in Virginia then I lived in California and then I lived a short time in Arizona and then I'm back in Texas. So I haven't really, you know, I didn't really get a chance to see the country until I started traveling and going to all these cities all over the country and getting to know all of my, like I, we're lucky. We are, the military represents the very best of the melting pot ideology of our country. Like we get people from all over. I met people in my military service that I would have never had a chance of meeting from all different parts of the country. And so after I left the military, traveling all over the country gave me perspective of what's happening here and there. Absolutely. What do people believe? What do people see value? And the, but here's the reality. I've traveled all over this country teaching firearms training. So that should tell you something. You know, that all over the country, there's still an interest and a need. Like no one, country, you know, no one state, despite like I've trained in all of the most restrictive gun states that you have out there, because mm-hmm. there's still a bastion of people that, that are in those states that want to be able to, that feel that their best interest is in self and personal responsibility for yeah. their own safety. They feel like that's their best interest. And I think that there, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a bad thing. In fact, I believe over the years, probably like the last 20 or 30 years, we as a nation have become, and, and I use this term loosely, have become very lazy. <laughs> And what I mean by that is look at any of the like nat- like natural disasters that occurred. How prepared were we at the individual level to manage those natural disasters? Like living in, living in Florida, obviously you are at the precipice of hurricanes. Mm-hmm. And I'm always impressed with how well Floridians handle hurricanes. Well, pr- prior to 04, when it started, right? We had six hit in 04, five hit in, <laughs> in, in 05. And that started like, the like all right, no more bullshit. Right? Andrew was back in the 90s or 80s, whenever it was, <laughs> or 90s. And, yeah. you know, and it's like, all right, we had a great 10-year run. And then all of a sudden we started getting waylaid. Yeah, that that shifted. And then every after that, everybody's like, all right, we're serious about this, you know, and, and, and people and, are and, legit. And that's that's what I love about 
you know, our country at a, at a core level is a self-reliance. I mean, that's, that's who we are. Rugged we started, individualism. Yes. We cut trail from the East coast all the way to the West coast through some horrible conditions Hellacious. and, 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 and aggressively, you know, like, like violent actions all along the way. You know, like that's who we are as a people and people like you want to you, we talked about, well, we're more civilized. We're not. We were more civilized back then than we are right now. Way more. Look at the and, 20th century. More exactly. than in all yes. centuries combined before. And I'm it. just talking about being being good to one another. Yes. Good Accepting, right? The yes. acceptance. And, I got just, in this big discussion yesterday with with my fiance about harry styles on the cover of vogue and the dress and all that and and like you know you know what is masculine what is feminine and to each their own thing and i'm like you know listen my my you know and john was like well what do you think masculine is i said like well i have my own personal beliefs but um if he wants to wear a dress god bless him go for it <laughs> You know, I'm not going to wear a dress and that is what it is. And so, okay. And I've got my opinion. They've got their opinion, but let me just have my opinions and don't, don't condemn or ostracize or try and affect my own trajectory in life because you don't agree with it. And And that's that's the point. And that, and I think, I think you're saying the laziness I'm seeing with is with that responsibility, Mm -hmm. right? Cause it takes self-control. It takes self-control to restrain your emotional reaction. It takes self-control to purchase a firearm and not just whip it out because somebody flicks you off on the highway. Mm-hmm. Right? You're right. It is about that self-control. It's and, and I think like it's easy for a lot of people. Like we like I, I feel like one of the things that we really are suffering through right now is we've we we've kind of gotten we've lost our way in a certain, certain respect with how to communicate with one another. Amen. You know, like how to actually have a conversation, how to have, how to have a difficult conversation. Cause we all, you know, like if you and I get together, we sit down, that's an easy conversation, right? But sitting down with somebody who you might politically disagree with, philosophically disagree with, religiously disagree with, and then being, having enough, you know, like, I don't want to use the term maturity, but having enough civility to actually sit down and listen to what that person is saying, because in the end, that's all we, everybody wants to be heard. Whoever they want to be heard that they can wear a dress and still act masculine on the cover of that magazine. Great. That's awesome. That's fantastic. You can do that. That doesn't mean that everybody has to agree with you. Yeah, exactly. You know, I certainly don't, but that's okay. And I'm, I'm appreciative of the fact that you would be willing to do that. That you can do it. Exactly. But but here's the thing that I, that I appreciate the fact that you can, that you, that you feel that it's important to do that. But I also want you to recognize that you can do that because of this country and what this country stands for. Yes. And that's the evil. That's the kind of like the evil, um, not necessarily evil, but that's what, that's what I see is happening is like, we're losing our ability to be open-minded about everything and everyone. Like there's certainly there's all the, there, there's all the evil that still exists. There's prejudice, there's racism, there's all different types of evil that still exists in this world. But that should not, that should not be the sole, you know, we should still be focused on all of the good that's out there. Like, you know, I'm sure that it took that, that individual some, 
some courage to be comfortable being out there like that and, mm-hmm. and, and knowing that he was going to be the subject of controversy and, and ridicule and potentially even more violence in some cases, right? But there are people like you and I that would stand for that and say that you have the right to do that. That is your right to do that. And as long as I'm breathing air, I will defend that right. Exactly. Exactly. But don't flip around and get angry at how I'm going to defend your rights. <laughs> there right? you go. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's a two-way street. We have, yeah. we have to realize that we're, we're in this together. They balance I, each other out. It's so true. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not going to lie. Like there was, there were times in my, in my marriage that I did not like the viewpoints that was being shoved down my throat. But I will say that I did, I did learn from some of them and I did take a perspective from them. I don't always agree with some of them, but there are some things that I did find to be valuable. And that's, that would not have happened if I'd left, if I just lived in my own echo chamber, Yeah, I would not have been exposed to that. And I consider like, I'm at a point in my life where I'm not willing to just just take the status quo for the sense of taking the status quo. I want to understand it. Like the best question that you can ask anybody is why, 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 why do you believe that way? And, and I try to come across in a manner that's not um, judgmental or not controversial or not uh, condescending yeah, yeah, or, or confrontational. Yeah. Like, listen, I don't get your hackles up. I just want to understand why you think that way. Help me to understand your, your point of view, because that's again, what is missing in our current conversations is understanding everybody's why. And if we took the time to understand people's whys, we don't have to agree with them, just understand them. Get a little bit better perspective on that because you know I did not come to these decisions. I did not come to my ideology beliefs because I was born with them. My life experiences and my opportunities that I've had to share through uh, my interactions with everybody around here has helped forge that. Right. And that's a beautiful thing, man. And I, I just... Jeff, I can't thank you enough, man. (laughs) We've covered a lot of stuff on this show, brother. That's true. I I certainly hope that you feel as if uh, um, we've tried to get into a little bit of your why. Um, I do. Yeah. And and I I can't thank you enough for being open and and honest about the, the, you know, the, I think the, the breadth of, of what all this means. Right. I mean, you know, we want to always, uh, pare down and simplify things to where it, it becomes black and white for us. And, and it's funny. I, every time I talk to an operator, you know, they, they say there's only one place things are black and white, man. That's on the battlefield. That's, that's it. it. That's only it. place in the world. Oh my God. That only place. And, and, and why is it black and white is because people have guns pointed at each other. Right. <laughs> And that's it. So you don't want to live in a black and white world. That's the only place that exists. So let's figure out how to live in this gray world together and, 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 and maintain each other's rights and, and, uh, you know, and allow each everybody to, to really live comfortably within their constitutional rights. And and the second amendment as in the first amendment, as you've, you said, are the, the, the pinnacles of, of all of that. So uh, go ahead, brother. No, I was just going to say, I, I I mean, I think, you know, this, this has been, this has been challenging in a sense, because what, what I mean by that is like, I, I'm, I feel very comfortable in my beliefs about what I 
how I think and why I think certain ways, but it's, it's so, it's still so important to be able to have those conversations because again, I don't want to exist in an echo chamber and being able to have those conversations, even with a like-minded individual still helps me to reevaluate. And in some cases reconfirm my beliefs. And in other cases, maybe I should think about that again. Maybe I should revisit how I, why I believe that, you know, Mm -hmm. so there, you know, I, I feel like this has been one of the types of podcasts that um, is unique in the sense that it's a, it's a hot topic kind of issue. And sometimes I shy away from them just because of all the censorship that we've seen in the past. But I've also realized that I've been part of the problem by staying quiet and not speaking out against it and not being more proactive in trying to get other people to be involved in a, in a, in a good, healthy way. Well, and I think you're, you're a profound advocate for, for what you're talking about. You're, you're not whimsical in your, in your thought process. You're not, you know, just pontificating in your hypothesis, hypotheses. You, you're, you have a profound amount of life experience. You are a master instructor. You, you firearms have played a massive role in your life as well as the defense of the constitution. I mean, you know, when you, when you, when you put it on the line and you're willing to, to cash it in for, for all, for that big, beautiful document, then man, you're living in a, in a, in a, in a healthy space. And I, and I just hope you continue to do this. I think you are a shining beacon of light in, in, in this industry. I think you could apps because, you know, there are, the other side where the aggressive nature of it, the, 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 the dig your feet in the sand right now. And, you yeah. know, let's go to state capital kitted out and our, you know, in our Hawaiian shirts and, 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 <laughs> and, and tiger stripe pants and shit, you know? Yeah. And, and it's like, man, you know, now let's, let's push forward, you know, Jeff and Tim and, and, Colleen Noir, and let's get these people who can be intellectual about this decision. Let's have them be our representatives and then let them, you know, the other side of this argument or this, this discussion, it should be come forward with their best format, right? Not just the bomb throwers. And I, and I just think, man, we got to have that. We got to have that. I agree. I totally agree. I hope we do get to that. I do. I do. I feel like one way or another, we probably will. <laughs> one way or another, my brother. One way. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'll tell you what. When I when I start to see the little systems, my little systems check kind of fall down, and the, yeah, yeah. I'll be out in Austin getting some getting some instruction from oh, you anytime, brother. Anytime, <laughs> anytime. Jeff, thank you so much, man. My I, pleasure. I just, it has always been an honor, and and I, you know, I, I'm. I'm you know, I, I always say this when I talk about you, you know, you played a, a massive role in my life and in my career, um, being my third phase proctor and, um, uh, you know, just the lessons and the tutelage that you continue to give, not only me, but everybody else are profound. And I just, uh, thank you so much. God bless you, Jeff. Oh man. Thank you very much. That means a lot. It means a lot to me. It really does, David. What an incredible dude, man. I I'm telling you, Jeff is uh, about as smart as anybody you'll meet out there in this industry. He's one of the premier performers in the industry. His knowledge base is exceptional. His teaching methodologies are incredible. And really his insight on the Second Amendment, where we stand as Americans, if that didn't get you fired up, man, nothing will. 
Uh, thank you, Jeff, so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, if you want to know more about Jeff, you can follow him um, at Tricon um, uh, or TridentConcepts.com. You can go, also go to the range at Austin. He's there. Uh, he's on Instagram. Um, obviously, I can't get on Instagram, but I know he's on there. I forget what his handle is. I haven't been on in a while. You can follow him on Facebook, Twitter. He's at LinkedIn. Uh, he's got these, like we talked about on, on the show, he's got these incredible videos at brownells.com. Please go check those out. Really amazing videos on on introductory safety, weapons, ideas, uh, everything, man. Go check those videos out. They're probably some of the best that exist out there, man. Jeff, I uh, just can't thank you enough for your participation, your willingness to come on and discuss some very, really difficult topics, uh, dealing with the Second Amendment, dealing with the mindset of where we're at in this country and what we need to do to readily secure our freedoms and our democracy. So I appreciate that, brother. It means the world to me. Um, if you, again, you, you want to help out Frog Logic uh, during these uh, times, uh, please go over to teamfroglogic.com. Check out all our hats, our sweatshirts, my books. I've got a great book on self forging self-confidence. I've got two books for kids. Um, let's see. You could sign up for uh, some of the courses. We're going to release the course days, the course dates here probably just around after Christmas when we're going to... Uh, release the next Embrace Fear training. Uh, we're in the process of working on our forging self-confidence curriculum at the Frog Logic Institute right now. Uh, we're hoping to get that done by beginning of January. It'll be ready by the end of January. Uh, we're de also developing a course called Operator Syndrome. I'm doing that in conjunction with Dr. Chris Fee Free. We're building that out and hope to have that released by February. So if you're an operator suffering with all the different things that we're challenged with from uh, traumatic brain injury, endocrine issues, post-traumatic stress, behavioral issues, uh, sleep pattern issues, relationship challenges. We're going to have a, a comprehensive uh, uh, in, in introduction to what the operator syndrome is and then some uh, give uh, some uh, minimal guidance as to uh, creating a path and some other programs that you can reach out that might be beneficial to you, whether it's synchrony program out of Methodist in Houston, home base up in uh at Gen Mass General, uh, Warrior's Heart down in Texas, um, in, in all that, whether you're doing float tanks or your hyperbarics or you're doing uh, uh, plant-based medicines or whatever they might be or, or psychological evaluations with a, a trained certified healthcare provider, uh, we're going to have that in this, this curriculum. And uh, we also hope that healthcare providers and people within the VA system or within different units and all this, they understand this, they have access to it. Uh, and in the case uh, with this, much of the proceed that we're going to make from this uh, will go to uh, a new um, nonprofit we're starting called OperatorCenter.org to really uh, amass a, a funding to where we can place guys in, in relevant programs that uh, are not just uh, based on camaraderie or emotional boost, but really on uh, the medical aspects of treating these issues in a sophisticated medical-based way that can uh, improve quality of life for our nation's uh, most significant heroes, those who have waged war for the past 20 years in, in the fight against terrorism. Man, um, they need our help desperately. So check all that out. Uh, we're going to be revamping our website a little bit over the next few weeks as well, too, uh, to um, post all this. Again, if you want to follow me, I'm on Parlor at Team Frog Logic. I'm also going to be uploading... 
every video I've got and a bunch more up to rumble.com now. Uh, and uh, really looking forward to uh, this next phase of, of reaching out to our our uh, audience. If you want to stay in touch with all the new things that we have going on, um, you know, whether it's uh, motivational speaking opportunities for you or private coaching for you or your teammates, um, corporate coaching, performance coaching, um, the podcast, if you want to come on the show, send us a note. If you want to have me on your show, send us a note as well too at teamfroglogic.com contact, uh, as well as the Frog Logic Institute, what new courses we're developing. And then uh, lastly, as indicative of this show, if you're looking for some uh, high quality uh, elite tactical firearms training for you, your wife, your kids, your family as a whole, uh, reach out to us. Uh, we can conduct courses from Orlando down to Miami. Um, don't hesitate. Again, teamfroglogic.com. Say you're interested in some uh, tactical training, and I'm here for you. Um, this was a heavy show, man. I, I know a lot of my shows have been heavy lately. Um, you know, the myth of freedom, I know that was difficult to hear. And I know everybody's kind of going, man, rut, man, you're losing that positivity. But I don't think I am. I'm just uh, I'm redirecting it in a way that inspires people to get back to a place that, um, that we're all kind of on the same sheet of music, providing the best possible uh, opportunities for people to exist in the most free country that has ever been created, uh, but that's also currently under attack, under attack by foreign parties, under attack from within. And, um, you know, it's upon us. It's on us to, to keep this great thing going. So I appreciate everybody's kind words you've been sending to me, the emails, the direct messages, all that really means the world to me. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, so, Thank you. Thank you for listening. Again, if you like this podcast, uh, press subscribe and leave a comment that, that pushes us up in all the algorithms. You can find it on everywhere out there, Spotify, everywhere. But you know that you're listening right now. So thank you. I want to thank God. I want to thank Jesus Christ for being a major influence in my life, really the base of all uh, my uh, focus and, and how I want to live my life as a morally sound and and positive person that helps people think critically and uh, really um, push them to live a, a higher moral standard of living. And that's what that's why I, I'm I'm a Christian, and that's what I, my beliefs lie. Uh, I also want to uh, thank my Jana and the kids and my family and friends for all the support through this these difficult times. You've been amazing to me, have made a huge impact on me, and I just can't thank you enough. Um, God bless you guys. Take care.